Coming up on Philosophy Talk. The other day I was doing some sampling on an instrument and the idea was to create the most raucous, the ugliest sound that I have ever created on a violin. And I succeeded. What is music? Can any sound become music? Music is totally uncontrollable. Anybody that thinks that they can describe music or can define it for you, I think you should distrust them. Is music in the ear of the beholder? To me, one of the functions of calling yourself a musician is to attempt to expand definitions for your own self. Our guest is David Harrington from the Kronos Quartet, recorded before a live audience at Biscuits and Blues in San Francisco. Could the worst sound anyone's ever made from a violin turn out to be music? The thing is, what's wrong with noise? Why music matters. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today, we've taken Philosophy Talk just down the road. We're recording the program in front of a live audience at Biscuits and Blues in downtown San Francisco. But... But our thinking originates in the ivy-covered ivory towers of Stanford University. And migrates from there to the radio, the web, and our blog, theblog.philosophytalk.org. Today's program is made possible by the listeners and supporters of KALW Local Public Radio. We're very pleased to meet some of our listeners in person. Welcome to Philosophy Talk. Today we explore why music matters. In the first movement of our musical exploration, we're going to investigate the nature of music. What distinguishes music from non-music? What, what does a bunch of sound have to have to make it music and not something else? What do all forms of music have in common that make them music? In our second movement, we'll examine music as a mode of expression and representation. Music can evoke feelings of longing or loss or of triumph and rebirth. It can elicit memories and stir the imagination. How can mere sound, often meaningless sound, work so powerfully on our consciousness? And in our final movement, the coda to speak, uh, we'll uh, examine the connection between music and, and who a person is, their identity. Musical tastes vary from person to person. Musical styles vary from culture to culture. What do a person's musical tastes tell you about that person? And what do the musical styles practiced in a given culture tell you about that culture? John, we got lots of questions. Uh, I'm afraid we may have more questions than answers. Fortunately for us, Ken, we don't have to struggle alone. We'll be joined shortly by a very special guest. Uh, who just might be able to give us some insight into the answers. That's David Harrington of the world-renowned Kronos Quartet. Oh, that's, that's great, because Kronos has an incredibly vast and varied musical repertoire. They, they've explored all sorts of music, minimalist music, early music, new music, music from around the world, even music from outer space. If anyone can help us, surely David Harrington can. Well, I hope so, Ken, but I've got to tell you, I'm pretty skeptical about one of your presuppositions in this uh, script. I doubt if there is any one thing that different 
forms of music all have to have in common some platonic essence that distinguishes them from non-music. I mean, come on. Why, why would you doubt that? I mean, take Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. That's clearly music, okay? Take a speech by President Bush. No, thank that's you. <laughs> okay, but that's clearly not music. So there's a clear difference between music and non-music. Well, suppose Bush delivered his speech in a rhythmic cadence. <laughs> I mean... Um, and suppose we put some instrumentation uh, in the background, uh, you know, a little What a Snoop great dog. idea this yeah. is. <laughs> and we could create a whole new genre of music, bush rap, right on the spot. Are you trying to suggest that any sound can count as music in the right context? Uh, if that's right, there's, that means there's no intrinsic difference between musical sounds and non-musical sounds? Exactly. That's one thing I'm suggesting. I also think there might be two different styles of music. This is a piece of music, and this is a piece of music, and they might have less in common with each other than each of them has to some non-music. Uh, I don't really follow you. What, what are you trying to say? Well, I know you think I'm a bit of a philistine, but I actually have wide musical tastes, all the way from Patsy Cline to Merle Haggard. And, uh, <laughs> but, but lately I've been listening to some avant-garde music, and uh, <laughs> I think some of it, and I'm not being critical here, some of it sounds more like a, a garbage truck going down the alley than it does to say Beethoven's Fifth Symphony or, or Hey Jude or, or Music, Music, Music by I, Teresa Bluer, just to, just to mention the great classic. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I take your point. I mean, so look, but that's, just, that's saying that uh, the totality of music, if you will, is just a haphazard motley that you can't, maybe it can't be defined in any precise way. Maybe you say, oh, that's music, but you can't really give a definition of what music is. But that doesn't mean that music doesn't matter. I mean, the fact that musical, the musical impulse in humans has expressed itself in such a vast variety of ways, that's just shows how deep within us the urge to make and consume music really lies. Well, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric in what you say. But, <laughs> but to help us get a feel for just how much music does matter today, our roving philosophical reporter Zoe Corneli found someone whose job it is to help foster the music impulse in children. She files this report. Three, 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 one, zero. On a typical Monday, John Calloway is preparing to teach a group of fifth graders at El Dorado Elementary School zero, to play a one, Korean folk zero, song on one, the violin. Three, one, zero. Oh, I have this down. <laughs> I don't have to think about it anyway. I know what the position, the notes are. For 20 years, Calloway has been a rotating music teacher in the San Francisco Unified School District, teaching at a different school each day of the week. Today, he leads a group of young violinists into an empty cafeteria where they tackle some basic music theory. If it's not C sharp, C. C flat is what? C flat is a different note. That's an adult way of calling it B. You have B, and this becomes C, okay? But Calloway says there's more to learning music than just learning music. I always try to teach my children more than the, the, the notes or the performance, but really what, what is it about the music itself, besides making their parents happy and performing, what is it about the music itself that has character that, that, that challenges them? You have folk dances in Mexico? Uh, casino dances, yeah. You see Chinese folk dances during New Year's? Chinese New Year's, you see it? What's folk dance? What's folk? Dance groups. What kind of music do they dance? Uh, old, kind of. old kind, okay, old folk, is old. <laughs> traditional, okay? I get my, my students to, to, you know, 
we always use critical thinking, but I actually try to get them to do a lot of thinking about the music in terms of if I play it slow and short, what does it remind you of? What is it, what kind of feelings does it come out of you? What can you put words to it? I just try to pose different questions. Where do you think the music might have come from? What what's the purpose of this song? This is a Bulgarian folk dance. It has a rhythm like a dance. Listen to the whole song. Callaway says music teachers don't always get the credit they deserve. For so long it's always been, well, it's performance-based, you know, it, it's good for the school, the parents are happy, but I, I really, after 20 years of teaching, I really believe that th there's something much deeper. Uh, you know, it's a part of who we are. It, it's another language. It's, music is a way of expressing what literal language cannot do. Callaway says the federal No Child Left Behind Act has made it more challenging for him to reach some kids because of its emphasis on testing and basic skills. I've had students not able to come to my class because the classroom teachers have this prescriptive learning, the child's reading really low, he really shouldn't come today. You're actually taking away music because he's struggling in reading. And, I, and, and what that says to me is that it's not equal access for children to have issues with, with, in other subjects. By taking away the arts, you're taking away part of their education. The students who are here in today's violin class have something to show for their efforts. This one is called Allegro. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Zoe Corneli. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.